Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, Joe Shell, and Kevin O'Keefe. Syracuse becomes the first school to ruin NBC's Big Ten Saturday night. The Orange roll into uh, Ross-Aid Stadium in front of a sellout crowd in prime time, and they derailed Purdue 35-20. to 20. Uh, And guys, Syracuse looked pretty darn good in this. Garrett Schrader set a record for rushing touchdowns by a Syracuse quarterback with four. He had 195 yards and could have easily gone over 200 uh, if it uh, wasn't for sliding down at the end of the game there, which I don't disagree with, by the way. It's a smart move. Um, LeQuinn Allen had 80 yards uh, on his own. Schrader threw for 184, and, and that was on a day where the receivers didn't always make the catches. And boy, that Syracuse defense did an absolutely bang-up job, a, a definition of bending and not breaking, creating four turnovers, three forced fumbles and interception in the first half. Syracuse taking advantage to get three touchdowns out of four of those. That last interception was at the end of the half, and time kind of ran out. But another one that there was a drop pass there that could have ended up uh, getting Syracuse in scoring position. But nothing really to complain about here, guys. Syracuse went in and did the job in prime time on network television. And and that's that's actually one of the things that I think makes this, no matter what happens the rest of the season, one of the most important games of the year. Because they won convincingly on network TV in prime time. Yeah, Matt, I feel like we've been waiting years for us to have a, a national game where we don't absolutely fall apart and embarrass ourselves. You know, we've we've been put on this stage before with some decent teams of ours that didn't step up under the spotlight. So it wasn't the prettiest game, but it was good to get a a strong, convincing win against a you know decent program out of a, a major power conference and to win a, a, a big 10 game on the road is, is never easy. So to do that under the national spotlight and actually show the country that we're a, a competent team that could actually go somewhere this year is something we've been waiting for. I feel like we've blown opportunities similar to this in the past and big takeaway is definitely the defense. Marlo wax was good. The, the linebackers again, were really carrying the team and the secondary played great. Like you said, uh, Ben don't break, but there really wasn't a whole lot of bend either. I mean, we knew Purdue was a solid passing attack and and they still got their yards through the air in this one, but holding them to 80 yards on the ground. I mean, that's something we don't see even good Syracuse defenses do. So all in all, I mean, a lot of positives to take away from this. I think there might be a rivalry brewing uh, with uh, Purdue, except to be more like the rivalry that we have with Duke basketball, where it's like, we're really mad at them, but they don't know we exist. Um, I don't know, for whatever reason, Purdue just seems to have held on to last year's game. And they like, like you were texting about on Saturday, they came out chippy. They were just really like, I don't know, just kind of like way over the top sensitive and competitive and, I think in some ways it got in their way. Like they were, it's almost like everything meant too much to them. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't, it's just a weird game uh, for, for them. Right. And I guess for us too. All around. Yeah. I mean, like, like we had a couple of dumb penalties, which is to be expected, probably less than usual, especially when we're playing, you know, during a primetime slot. 
on the Big Ten Network where like real football fans are watching. NBC. Uh, <laughs> as a as an aside, it was kind of great to not have the ACC Network guys for a change. And like these Big Ten broadcasters, I don't know what your opinion is, Matt, but they, I think they're better analysts well, and well, I these, enjoyed listening to them more than I usually do. Well, these weren't just Big Ten Network analysts. This was NBC. This is NBC's new primetime Big Ten broadcast, um, yeah. which is, is – is, a new contract that goes for quite a while. And uh, it was Todd Blackledge, uh, Penn State, former Penn State quarterback, longtime analyst who's been with ESPN and CBS and doing this back into the 90s. So he's very good as an analyst, very praiseworthy of Syracuse as well. Straight up said they were the better team on the field at the end of the game and that they answered the questions that he had and and he was very complimentary of Syracuse all night. And then the host, uh, the the play-by-play is Noah Eagle, Syracuse alum, um, Ian Eagle's son. Um, he's just a couple years out of college and, and doing a, a fine job um, with NBC. So um, there was there was not any throw. like, hey, he hands the ball off, and I can't really see what what's it? and then they just go kind of silent for thirty seconds. Well, well, I would hope. Happen. I would hope a 25 or 26 year old is going to be able to see. Uh, <laughs> I think part of the problem is a lot of those ACC network extra games. I think a lot of those are called from a studio even still. I think they started doing that in COVID and for some of the it games that money. are lower on the docket. Yeah. I think they call well, Yeah, I think they so save that's, money. Yeah. That's they why they look s- like they can't see any better than you can. Cause they can't. Yeah. They also saved money by grabbing people off the street to do the broadcast. Well, like, let's let's not be too uh, too dismissive of that because I'm sure a lot of those like C and D broadcast teams are probably a bunch of new house grads. Yeah, I don't yeah, know about the F's. There are plenty of F's that I, I don't know. I, I've never been impressed with the ACC network broadcast. But then again, it's always like at noon against like South Dakota State. You, you know central whatever you know and like nobody really cares so they don't have to worry about actually saying anything of note because no one's watching anyway well while we're on the broadcast thing i do think it's important you know and, and it's important for a school like syracuse to get on tv to get noticed and, and to have you know those potential recruits watching and in case anybody's wondering syracuse had 1.25 million viewers on saturday they were the third most watched thing in prime time on network television. So pretty good. Uh, the only thing it trailed was two other college football games. Pitt and West Virginia had a higher rating. Uh, That's a big and, rivalry game. And TCU Houston actually had a slightly higher rating, but actually fewer viewers. But yeah, Syracuse Purdue got a, a among the 18 to 49 that matters, a 0.26 and 1.25 million viewers. That's good. That's that's really freaking good. I don't know how many Syracuse games this year you're going to have more than a million viewers. So, you know, that's the beauty of, of network TV and being on it. And Syracuse, you know, they'll be on it in two weeks at 3.30 in the afternoon, which, you know, you'll get a lot of viewers, but there's nothing quite like prime time and being on in prime time. And um, that matters. It matters. Uh, you know, terrestrial television still matters in college football. Um, well, if uh, if Clemson beats Florida State and we beat Army, then there's a small chance they put us on game day two weeks from now. I, you think they do game day with a noon kickoff? A 3.30. 3.30. 
Uh, no, it is. No, it? you're right. It is a noon kickoff. Yeah, excuse yeah. me. I'm thinking it is a noon kick. They have done game day on noon kicks. I don't know if Syracuse is a big enough story uh, unless they want no. to check off places they've been. You know, I think it's one. Well, they have been. Seems like they have kind of been doing when there's not an obvious choice. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think they want to put a spotlight on a disappointing Clemson team. If you know there was a Syracuse team with a lot of hype and an upset win over Clemson would be like incredibly meaningful, then sure. But I don't think beating Clemson this year would would move the needle much outside of the three one five. I think if Syracuse had gone on the road and beaten a better Big Ten team than Purdue, and that's not saying Purdue's bad, but like went and beat like an Iowa or a Penn State or something, then that would have possibly led to that. That's just not what happens. I, I don't see it. I also don't know what else is on the, the slate that week, but um uh, uh you know what? No 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 they're definitely not. You know who's on the slate that week? Colorado USC. Oh. That's that's gonna get the treatment. Um by the way, in order just, to they have... just went to Colorado though. They just went there like two weeks ago. Does it matter? It's prime. <laughs> so if... I, I actually looked this up because I was curious. There are 10 as of a couple of years ago. I don't know if any of these guys have been included recently, but there are 10 schools that have never hosted game day, California, Maryland, Virginia, Minnesota, Wake Forest, Illinois, Rutgers. Um, and then us. Um, so of the power five, schools. Uh, also oh. Hawaii and Kansas. Yeah. Hawaii, Kansas and us, Kansas. Uh, they did last year, Kansas. They did last, last year. And I year. think wake, they did two years ago. So Syracuse, their best chance would have, was last year. I, I think it will happen eventually. It's just a matter of when. And I'd also point out, you know, it, it, yes, it matters, but it's also a pregame show. And it's a pregame show that still gets good ratings, but it's, it's already not as good ratings as I think it used to be either. So also... Let's be honest, you're going to have Pat McAfee up there trashing Syracuse the whole time on the campus because he hates Syracuse. I don't know if you guys mm. noticed that. Mountaineers. He, he went to West Virginia. He hates Syracuse and never gives us credit on anything. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really need Pat McAfee up there just trashing us on the quad um, the whole time. But, you know, I mean, because he's there to replace Lee Corso ultimately. So, I, I don't know. It would be good for the school, but I, I also don't get too caught up in it. Just win. Just win the football games. You know, do the thing that matters. But let's talk more about the game against Purdue. Uh, this was a game that Syracuse, you know, after shanking a punt, Joe. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I take full responsibility for that. They shanked two that. punts. They shanked yeah, two. Yeah. It's all, it, yeah, I I apologize. That's my fault. I I gave Jack Stonehouse a, a star last week for making it two games into the season and not shanking a single punt, which was unheard of last season. And then he, he rolled in, and he looks like uh, he'd never punted a ball in his life before. It was horrendous. I think you should give him a demerit this week, and then the opposite will happen. Right. We'll see what happens when that when we come to that point in the show, and yeah, maybe we got to put the universe back in order. Yeah, but Syracuse, uh, you know, they go, they get that first turnover, a forced fumble, they go down, they score seven. 
Then they get another forced fumble. They go down, they get four, t- uh, four, another seven. Then they get another forced fumble and go and make it 21 uh, and get to 21. So it was 21-7. Uh, that defense, and if you looked at those fumble guys, fumbles guys, you know what I love? They weren't just bad ball handling, and there was plenty of that from Purdue because there could have been like eight fumbles if you counted it. But a lot of times it was those defenders getting in there and getting their fist in there and punching the ball out. And so that, those really were Syracuse creating turnovers, and I love to see that. And, um, boy, I mean – you know, Purdue, and then in terms of the Syracuse offense, Purdue's new coach said he watched every Syracuse game last year. He watched every one um, over the offseason, and he said Garrett Schrader is dangerous when he gets out of the pocket. And he said, we got to keep him in the pocket. And the last thing they did was keep him in the pocket, and he gutted him. As Todd Blackledge said, nickname him Garrett Shredder. He was shredding Purdue's defense. And I mean, they just couldn't contain them. They knew what they wanted to do. They couldn't do it. The the one thing that concerns me about this, and, and I hate to, to be a downer on, on a really overall positive note, but the designed run plays for sure are good. Great. He, he was awesome at that. I love that. But the scrambles, what will concern me about that is that a lot of those scrambles were the result of receivers just not being open downfield. Um, I feel like Schrader could have had a much better game through the air and not relied on his legs so much if the receivers were able to get some separation and be open. But time and time again, there was no one to go to, not because Schrader was indecisive or he missed someone who was open. There were many instances instances throughout the game where he just had no, no one to go to, nowhere yeah. to go with the ball. And that's what we were afraid of with the loss of Gadsden. There's no... There's no go-to, and now nobody's stepping up. And even though a couple guys had some solid games, you know, Damian Alford's stat line looks solid at the end of the day. Donovan Brown had a decent game, but what what happened to Amari Hatcher? Did he get hurt? No, no he just he was, he wasn't just, open. He just disappeared. He, he, he just wasn't. He, had an he off didn't night. start. He wasn't on the field a ton, but that's what I mean. Guys just weren't. I open. kept looking for him, and I just Schrader had nowhere to go with the ball, and I'm you know. Luckily, we're seeing that Schrader is able to to use his legs to to make things happen. But a couple of our worst fears, you know, are, are coming true. Not not to be chicken little and say the sky is falling, but the offensive line is still below average, and Schrader has to escape the pocket, which, like we talked about, can be a good thing. I, but when there's nowhere for him to go down to with the ball, I, our our offense is going to over time become more one dimensional. I actually thought the offensive line had its best game of the year, which isn't saying a whole lot. But if you That's look, not saying. they 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 there were, were some they pockets were... there that Schrader stood in there for five six seconds and nobody was close. A couple to of him. times, but a lot of times he there were luckily openings for him to run through. But when it was a play that really should have had pass protection, it looks like they're op- opening up these running lanes and he's just on the move all day. I feel like a lot of it. A lot of the Schrader running was reactionary and not planned. A lot of it was planned. And on the pl- designed quarterback runs, he was great. But I would like to see him be able to do more through the air. And and you're right. There were plays where the offensive line held up. But when they did, it still didn't matter because there was nowhere for him to go with the ball. And that's what I am worried about going forward. I think to kind of uh, piggyback on Joe's point, um, uh, my uh, my take on it was that 
that clean pocket that you're referencing, Matt, I don't think that's going to be there all season. And in the event Schrader standing there trying to find an open receiver and he's not finding anybody uh, later in the season, then we're just going to have either a Schrader running loose, you know, every time he's out there in the pocket, unable to get out and, and, and find a man, or we're just going to have collapses and sacks and turnovers and or a better a better line like we might see against Clint, you know even a down sure, Clemson is going right. to have a, a defensive line that's still going to be unlike anything we've seen yet and a defensive right. line of that caliber may be better at keeping Schrader in the pocket and collapsing on him which well, is made worse by these dumb penalties that we just seem to not be able to avoid I mean I know Cl- uh, Purdue is way worse than us but I don't think we need to hold ourselves to their standard. I mean, they're clearly a rebuilding team. You know, they've got some promise, but they were were pretty sloppy. Like they were like still a true Big Ten team in the trenches. They 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 were a decent team on the lines, and, and at least this but, wasn't this is at least a good step up in competition in that regard. But in the dumb penalty department, I don't think we need to compare ourselves to them. I think we need to compare ourselves to like perennial you know, contenders in the ACC, you know, who don't commit dumb, idiotic penalties for no reason. These like hits out of bounds and these like stupid, you know, uh, motion up front, like it's just dumb stuff that could be cleaned up so easily. Um, and and I, I don't know, I, I would just like to see Dino uh, have a little bit more of a strong leadership when it comes to, you know, hey, uh, maybe think about it twice before committing this dumb penalty or else I'm going to take you out of the game for a quarter. Like, I don't know. It just just seems like he, it's not his style. I get that, but it's just so frustrating to watch that because when, because there were so many times on Saturday when I was like, Oh, here we go. I've seen this a thousand times. This is where we fall off the rails. And it just so happened that Purdue out sloppied us, which isn't going to happen every week, especially against Clemson's and the Florida States. But but I think let let I mean let's be careful not to 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 be too down on this because you know what this team did do is found a way to win, you know for whatever mistakes they may have made I think they did far more good than bad as a team and and this is a game that other years we would have lost we would have lost not because they played you know just because we would not have been ready to play a primetime matchup against a Big Ten team on the road. And we wouldn't have handled that road environment well. We wouldn't have, like, don't tell me the 2019 team would have done this. Don't tell me that the 2021 team would have done this. I, I don't think they would have. I mean, 2021 did beat Virginia Tech on the road, and that's that's notable. But I, I really think this this was a, a good showing overall. I think it's easy to, to, to pick out those little things, and I agree that the penalties need to change, but – but I think what I saw was overall very positive. How do you? How confident are you in the receiving core going forward at this point? Because I I'm still left concerned. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I mean, I think they made. I I think this was the first game that they didn't look as good as they were. But in the previous two, like they didn't look as good. But um, you know, it was one step off, which can be fixed relatively easily. I mean, you know, it was, you know, the one ball was a little bit ahead of, of, I think it was Hatcher. 
Um, there was another ball that was a you know the, sometimes he was throwing a little high, but um, I I'm not necessarily concerned. Uh, you know, yeah, drops a lot there, of drops. There were a couple of drops that weren't great, and you know you work on that. I well, mean, there was there was one in particular that I'm remembering in the I think it was in the first quarter. Yeah, the one uh, inside the ten that would have been a touchdown. That's, that's two games in a row with dropped touchdowns. Uh, yeah. I'm not if, if anyone sorry, good. I'm not sounding the alarm yet. I, I don't think No, I'm not saying it's gonna hold us back all year. It's just when everything's kinda rolling and things are looking up, you're just kinda looking at ways the team can improve and, and right now I, I I am more focused on things that I think need to improve for this season season to be a special one than to see it end up closer to last year. Yeah. I think I think as of right now, uh, we are going to have about the same type of season as last year, right? We start off hot. We maybe make it crack it into the top 25. We win some good uh, matchups against non-conference opponents. But when push comes to shove, you need that X factor, right? I, I mean, Aronde Gadsden is an X factor that we're just not going to have access to this year. And someone else needs to fill that role, Right. My thought is the the best chance would be Damian Alford just because he's got experience, he's he's got the build, right? He can he can get up and he's got size, he's got good hands. But he he also he has this tendency of of just being a little bit sloppy and not running his routes great and sometimes just sort of disappearing. But then like the game you and I were at, Joe, I'm pretty sure he he's the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown pulled a rabbit out of his hat in the oh, corner Virginia of the end zone. Tech. Yeah, yeah. That's the, and like, yeah, I agree. Years that's ago when he was a freshman. Yeah. That's the thing with Alford is he'll make a spectacular grab and then he'll drop the easy ones. Right. It's, it's just, it's confusing to me. I wish that he'd just have a little bit more focus and, yeah. you know, like guys like Brown and Hatcher, like have some promise, but someone needs to establish themselves as the go-to. I would argue that LaQuint Allen is kind of becoming that guy. Like he's becoming very reliable, like, like he's just he's I mean every bit as explosive if not more so than Sean Tucker was last year. I mean Sean Tucker didn't have a great year last year. I mean like he was like, hurt. Quinn Allen he looks like the real deal, hurt. and he was hurt. Quint Allen is a is a much better receiver than Sean Tucker was in college. But I, I agree oh, with yeah, you yeah. that I just mean overall that, uh, as a weapon. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I think we're heading in a direction where we might actually see LaQuint Allen be Garrett Schrader's safety net. You know, in a similar fashion to the way that Gadsden was just in a very different way rather than heaving one over the middle as a 50 50 ball knowing that Gadsden has a good chance of grabbing it you're going to see a lot more check down passes to LaQuint Allen who's pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands in that scenario Mm -hmm. you know I mean I I look at this and I I still I'm I'm not too concerned I think for one, I think the schedule does line up pretty well for Syracuse, especially in the second half of the season. You know, there's not too much on that second half. Like, look at the last five games. There's not much that scares me on those last five games. Like, I think we are pretty even matches or better than a lot of the teams we're going to face. Um, so I, I, I think in that way, I, I'm not as worried about what the record's going to look like at the end. I, I think we're going to hit seven or eight, and I'm not not super concerned because I think we're going to just outmatch some of those. Uh, Cause I think, I think Purdue's better than some of the teams we've got on that second half of the schedule. 
let me be clear. Like I, I really do. You know, I, I think I, I'm getting I, a little bit of PTSD though. Back to the last time that we had one guy try to do it all by himself, which was Eric Dungey. And the guy just ran himself ragged, right? And got hurt a thousand times, played through it. But near the end of the season, we had like 80 to 75% of Eric Dungey. And that's great. But I just don't want the same thing to happen to Schrader, especially because, I mean, thank God Schrader knows how to slide because yeah. Dungey just never learned that. But we just, we can't have Schrader trying to do it all himself. And, for the most part, but, he kind of did do it all himself on, but, on but, Saturday. I mean, he had some help, but, but he look was the, at the guy. But look at the great Syracuse teams of the last, and I'm not calling this great, but I, I just like to throw comparisons. They've all been relying on the quarterback. They've all been. I mean, Ryan Nassib. Ryan Nassib put his body out there. Uh, Donovan McNabb, right? Don McPherson. Uh, Syracuse, if Syracuse good, is good, it is reliant on a quarterback who – a lot of times, the guy who can drop it and run. Uh, if there's a benefit to Garrett Schrader, it's his size. He's bigger than Dungey was, which means he he's can take... bigger than a lot of the linebackers that are trying to bring him down. Exactly. Was he six four or something like that? Even Todd Blackledge made that comment early on. Said he he met him in pregame and said he's a big man, and that helps. You know, when if he's going to go out there. You know, he can get hit a little harder than maybe some other quarterbacks are and, and be okay. You don't want him to get hit too much, and he got hit plenty. But, you know, he stood through it, and he did fine, and he had one of the best games of his career, if not the best game of yeah. his career. And, uh, I mean, he was the ACC yeah. player of the week. So, I I, I'm, I think it's I, all going to be okay. I'd like to avoid I, – I, I hear what you're saying, and I know he took some hits that were him trying to make you know something out of nothing and getting a couple extra yards. What I did not like was the the unnecessary contact that he was taking. Sure. You know, these like weird plays where he probably should have just gotten out of the pocket and thrown it away, but instead he was trying to make something and ends up blowing himself up, losing 12 yards. And, and who's you know, that remind things. us of? And who's that remind us of? It's Eric Dungey. Wow. It's just Dungey, a yeah. bigger version favorite. of Dungey. Yeah. I'm not super worried. I, I Look, right now the Syracuse offense is a top five offense scoring. I know two of those are, are padded, but games is padded, but they are. And they're combined with a top five defense, scoring defense. We're the only team in the country in the top five. No no question about the defense. I think they they proved a lot, really solidified a lot of what we had been seeing against easier opponents in this game. And we've already gone over that. I I think the secondary answered a lot of questions. The linebackers confirmed who they are for us. I'm not worried yeah. about that. I guess where I'm at right now, and maybe this is misguided, but I walked away from this game against Purdue feeling a little weird about it because I didn't feel like the offense succeeded as designed. I feel like it was a lot of Schrader making something out of what could have otherwise been bad if there wasn't as dynamic of a player lining up behind the center for our team. But it wasn't like, oh, these plays that were called worked out so great and there were all these big no it was a lot of like oh crap better run and there goes schrader for 30 40 yards and, and i'm not saying it's a bad thing that's great that that is part of our offense as long as that option is there all year long i i just want to point out i mean i think there are plenty of teams that that has been how they've survived i mean i i think 
Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just, there are teams in college football history that that is how they, and, and good ones, right? Um, the one that comes to mind is Texas A&M and Johnny Manziel, right? Yeah. How much of that was I'm designed? Okay how much of I'm that okay was designed? It. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that, Garrett Schrader's Johnny Manziel, and I'm not saying we're Texas A&M of that year, but I think you look at a team like that, their success was based on what Johnny Manziel did, and I don't know how much of it was planned. He just did it. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. like I said, I'm okay with it as long as we don't see those situations for Schrader to make something out of nothing dry up as the season goes along. Yeah. And look, I, I kind of feel gonna... like right now, I kind of feel like right now this is a – a seven or eight win team that yeah. is a couple like minor flaws away from being a, a nine or 10 win team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I said seven and five before the season and I'm not and the gonna... defense looks better than you ever could have imagined preseason. Yes, absolutely. And so now I sit there and I say eight and four is a very reasonable expectation or result. Um, and I would say nine and three is a possible result too. Not saying that's going to happen, but it's a reasonable possibility. If you looked at the ESPN FPI, you know the, the FPI, we're sixteenth now, sixteenth in the country according to that computer. You know, and on top of that, if you look at the predictors, there's only one game we're not predicted to win right now: Florida and State. Florida State. We're predicted to win every other game. Some of them close, but we are predicted to win every other game. I'm not saying we're going to go 11 and one. I don't think we are. Uh, I think we're still going to finish seven and five, eight and four area, maybe nine and three. But I think this team is better than I thought they'd be. I think the defense far better than, and I think the offense is better than I thought. And I still point out, yeah, it wasn't the best night for the receivers. But the first two weeks, the receivers were just fine. And yes, it was weaker competition, but they were catching the balls. So the fact that they had an off night in terms of catching the ball and we still won, I'll take that as a W. I I think a big difference this season is Jason Beck calling the plays too. Um, Dino's not a play caller. Right. Dino's not a play caller. Uh, And you could see... I agree with you, Joe. It did seem a lot like, you know, there were a bunch of plays that turned out differently than what we had intended, but the overall strategy calling plays and the creativity seemed to actually have some grand strategy, not just, all right, let's hand it up the middle for half a yard, three times, and then punt like we used to, right? It, it, it's the, the, the play calling is much improved. Sure. And he was really exploiting some some weaknesses in the Purdue defense. Sure. And you get um, the sense that they're just now beginning to open up the playbook. I don't even think against Purdue we saw a lot of what's in store for our playbook. And let me just say, yeah. the, the sneaky pretend to hand off the ball and then watching the running back, that will never work the rest of the season. Maybe I know. That's only gonna. No, 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 no. It's just that Garrett Schrader is that good at the play action that he wait, can wait. just sit back and let the play develop, and then let the now he's got to flip it away from him. He's got to so flip they... it and start nonchalantly handing the ball off with the same like body. Yeah, composure. I mean that everybody's looking for that now because he didn't just do it, it once; he did it twice. Yeah. And, he and it got more a, casual as it went along. He had the touchdown the first one, 
And then the second one, he would have gone all the way too if it wasn't just to run out the clock. I mean, nobody. Yeah, now he's got to go. He's got to go the other way now and and have that same body language, but actually do a little subtle handoff. Now I will say those. the concern you're worried about Schrader's injury. Now you're more likely somebody's going to go and hit him in that situation, thinking he might have it. Granted, if he doesn't have it, it's roughing the passer. Right. So we would get a first down, but yeah. The the only quarterback that I've ever been as impressed in running the RPO has been Nick Foles. Nick Foles <laughs> ran a fantastic RPO for five games back in 2017, 2018. Yep. And uh, I don't think that I've been as impressed, especially you know, at the college level. But because yeah. you just don't see a lot of it, but man, Schrader really knows what he's doing well, uh, and- when it comes to not just the RPO, but the triple option. And it was just really impressive to see us actually run a real option offense where we were making some, and see, sure, sometimes it doesn't work out. You make the pitch and, and, and you get tackled in the backfield. But, but like I said before, it seems so much more intentional and well executed, which is yeah. not what we are used to. We're used to the bubble screen and 11 uh, players converge on that one guy and the ball comes up in a Elmer Fudd cloud of dust. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's just, it's just ridiculous yeah. thinking about where we were a few years ago and now watching this like yeah. seemingly serious program, which is what was really impressive. To yeah. Me. And, I, and I think that's my ultimate takeaway, honestly, you know, what was, you know, it was kind of nice to see. And I feel bad because we haven't talked about the defense and, and, that much and they deserve a ton of credit for this game i mean they, they deserve a whole podcast episode to themselves yes yes <laughs> i mean honestly they played unbelievable i mean justin Barron looked fantastic marlo wax was all over the field forced two fumbles had a sack and i mean uh, there Barron, should have been another uh, fumble i don't know what been, happened that yeah, might have been marlo that might have been Marlo Wax's best game of his career. And that's, I think and it that's was. His, so far, yeah. I think it For was. Sure. And Derek McDonald had a nice game. Um, who was it on the line that I wanted to say had a nice game? And I'm blanking on it now. Um, uh, it'll come to me. The whole on the defense, defensive line? On the D-line. I mean, I know Kayvon Darton. Kayvon Darton had a big game. Disruptive. He was disruptive all day. Kayvon Darton had a great game. The whole defense was just unbelievable. And and Hudson Card is a good quarterback, right? The guy was recruited at the University of Texas. They did a great job putting pressure on him, forcing mistakes. Don't tell me those mistakes weren't partially because they knew what was coming and they felt they had to do something fast. They were creating mistakes by a good by a good Purdue team. You saw Purdue's receivers dropping passes. You know, and is that the old I hear footsteps coming thing? I, I don't know. For Maybe. sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the way the secondary was playing, and I am gonna give a shout out again. I think this is two weeks in a row to Jeremiah Wilson, who I think kind of embodies what you're alluding to, Matt, where he would play off of his guy a little bit, but he timed his his coverage so well that the second that ball was even about to come towards his receiver he was there and he was hitting his guy as soon as the ball got there he knocked a bunch of passes away when he didn't make a play on the ball he brought his receiver down immediately without any yards after the catch and after seeing him get bullied and pushed around last year especially against Florida State I think was a pretty embarrassing game for Jeremiah Wilson last year 
he's turned things around. I was critical of him coming to the year. I was worried about him having a starting spot, but he's been he's been great. I'll he's throw another guy. Uh, yeah, another guy with a forced fumble here had five ta- tackles. Isaiah Johnson. Isaiah Johnson, Dartmouth, right? Transferred him from from the Ivy League. And he's out forcing fumbles against the Big Ten. Are our corners better than last year? Our corners may be better than the beginning of last year. Which, which is crazy. Is not something we ever would have thought. Yeah. Which doesn't make any because because the the individual players are not as talented as they were a year ago. I, right. I and that's something Matt that. and I talked that's something we talked about already is that you know the unit doesn't have a star and maybe in the long run that makes it better. I I think it's great. Well, yeah, because you know what? It's hard for a team. How do you plan around this? Who are you going to throw toward? It's a legitimate thing that every quarterback that faces Syracuse and every offensive coordinator is thinking, all right, well, who are we going to challenge here? Well, the guy from Dartmouth, we we could try to pick on the guy who was originally at Dartmouth, but he's he's making fun. He's forcing fumbles. He's making tackles. He's timing well. You know, who do you go to? Who do you who do you who do you pick on? Oh, and by the way, while you're doing that, you're afraid Marlo Wax is breathing down the neck of your quarterback, and he's only got a couple seconds to get rid of it. I mean, this is I, – I, they are the number four scoring defense in the country, and I truly believe they are a top 15 defense in the country right now. And that's why, like, some of these games that we're worried about the offense, like, I'm not as worried because I don't think we're going to have to score that much. Uh, just real quick, uh, yeah. I'm getting an error notice. It says participant Joe is having a problem, F- failure, error. Are you seeing any error notice on your thing, Joe? Looks okay. I'm still tonight. seeing your like squiggly lines, so I think we're okay. We're okay. It's Matt breaking in here. So we should have assumed that there was a problem that needed to be fixed. But we could hear Joe, and we could see the lines appearing on the Zencaster program, so we assumed it was still recording him. Unfortunately, it was not recording him, and we don't have any more of Joe for the rest of the episode, something we didn't realize until we were done recording. So, if I make a reference to Joe and you don't hear a response the rest of the episode, no, he was not being a jerk. He just answered, and the recording wasn't recording him. And just know that I tried to edit out the references to him here so that it doesn't seem too awkward. So we apologize for that little technical issue, and please enjoy the rest of the episode. So let's look at stars and demerits for the Syracuse-Purdue game. I guess I'll take the obvious one, Garrett Schrader. 25 carries for 195 yards. He was averaging 7.8 yards a carry. Four touchdowns, the Syracuse quarterback record on the ground, plus 184 yards in the air. By the way, that interception, even the Purdue people were saying, probably actually wasn't an interception. Both the receiver and the defender had the ball, and usually in ties like that, it goes to the receiver. So um, that interception might actually be not fair to count against him. So Garrett Schrader, great day, possibly the best game of his career. Cheers to you and a star. Kevin. Um, so I'm going to give my, I guess I'll start with the star. I'm giving my star to Marlo Wax. I just think he was dominant, you know, not just with the uh, actual on-field uh, performance, but you could just see the defense just kind of feeds off of his energy. And the guy's a true leader. It's, it's just really, I think he's every bit as important to 
this Syracuse football team as, as Garrett Schrader and LaQuinn Allen are on the offensive side. So uh, props to you, Marlo Wax. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm looking forward to watching you play on Sundays if he keeps it up. My God, he's he was just amazing on Saturday. Uh, and then I'm, I'm just going to give my demerit to the, uh, the Purdue Boilermaker. Um, I, I just... I just, I just don't respect the Boilermaker like chant and the weird fan thing and the strange energy they have in that stadium. And I mean, are you against industrial jobs? Are you against industrial jobs? The working Americans. The the thing I kept thinking about the way Purdue was playing on Saturday is they were playing that game like I play Madden. Like, it's just like, like, oh, what's going on? Let me do like a bunch of circles. And then up, I fumbled up, I fumbled up. up. And it's just like, like there's so many glitches and like weird, like, like, oh my God, they coughed it up again. Like, and then the fans were just like, kind of interested, but not really, but it was a packed stadium. And it's just a weird vibe over there. Like, I don't know what's going on in Indiana, but I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I am, I am. I am, I am giving my demerit to the Boilermaker and, uh, you know, uh, nothing personal. I just, I just, I did not like the vibe and it was just a weird kind of situation for them. And I'm, I'm sure, I don't know that, I think they got Wisconsin coming up this week. So yes. no, it's like the weird chant they all do where they have like a, they're like this weird pump action thing. It's just very weird. Okay. All right. All right. In a game that, in a game that had a lot of officiating that left a lot to be desired for the second straight week. I mean, I, some of those pass, some of those quarterback, you know, the, some of those calls on the quarter, you know, roughing the passer, both sides were not things that should have been called. Okay, okay. On the roughing the passer thing, in the first quarter, they were like medieval with it. And then they just stopped. They were just like, you know, we made our point. Now we're just calling zero roughing the passers on anybody ever. And so there was like clear helmet-to-helmet contact after Schrader had given himself up in the second and third quarter. And then there's guys just like getting away with it. I I just, they just sort of like, okay, we made our point, bye. Well, before I before we move on, two more stars that I think are deserving. It's just one of those games where there's a lot of stars to give out. Jeremiah Wilson, who we mentioned, 10 tackles and a tackle for a loss. And Justin Barron, who had 10 tackles, a forced fumble, and an interception. So both played great games as well. And Yeah, yeah. So there <laughs> – and he's the holder. So, yeah, just great games from so many players who – some I'd say more than one player had their best game of their career. No, boo, just the punter. Well, yeah, okay. 44 yards. 44. 44 yards should be automatic. I mean, we're getting closer to that point, but it's 44. I, I, I'm not going to be. One thing, I mean, if it was, if like it was 30. 45 or 43, I'd be with you. But if it's 44, you got to hit it. You uh, got to okay. hit it. All right. <laughs> Final takeaway from this, and I think uh, – we, I think we've talked more about this game than any other single game we've ever talked about, uh, which, which I guess is intriguing in its own way. Uh, you know what's nice? We were the game that somebody had circled, and they mentioned that on the broadcast. 
Purdue had this circled. They were mad about what happened last year. They were ready to come out and just hand it to us. They had a, a sold-out crowd there. They had just done some expansions to the stadium. They had a primetime game on NBC, which, you know, when's the last time Purdue had a primetime on a network? They were excited. Their fans were excited. It was rowdy. had been sold out for weeks. They had us circled. Well, first of all, when's the last time anybody had us circled from a Power 5 conference? But what I'm saying is we had some – somebody had us circled, and I think most of the time those teams that have us circled beat us. This time a team had us circled. They're like, man, we got to get, get these guys back, and they failed. Syracuse went out and beat them. Syracuse won the series. It was a two-game series, home and home. We, we took it, 2-0. and That's great. That's fantastic. And, and when's the last time Syracuse did that with a Big Ten school – or a Power 5 school that we had a two-game series with. I can't think of the last time we swept it. So, good on Syracuse. To me, that is a sign of progress, right? We played a Big Ten team back-to-back, and we won both of them. So, that's really good to see. Let's move ahead. Syracuse hosts Army Saturday at noon on the ACC Network. Sorry, Kevin, you got to go back to ACC Network broadcasters. Uh, Army is 2-1. and one. They won- I got a mute button. Army was 2-1. and one. Uh, They lost their first game of the season, 17-13, at Louisiana Monroe before beating their FCS opponent, Delaware State, 57-0. And notably last week, they went down to Texas San Antonio in the Alamo Dome and beat the Roadrunners, who are one of the favorites in the American Athletic Conference, 37-29. As you can tell, uh, based on last week, defense is not necessarily Army's thing. Uh, when they're facing a, a more stout competition. Offense, this is going to be the most interesting game of the year uh, in terms of what their offense is. Army has long used the triple option. You know, this is the, your grandfather wants his offense back kind of thing. They have now switched to a shotgun triple option. Jeff Monk and the head coach there, longtime head coach at Army, who's done a really great job, by the way, turning the Black Knights around. They've moved to a tri- a shotgun triple option. This is the only time we're ever going to see this. It's the only team we'll ever see this with. Uh, usually the triple options use to kind of spread things out when you have a physical mismatch, which Army and the other academies frequently do because their players have to hit height and weight for the military. You don't necessarily have the size that these programs like Syracuse or, or many of the other programs they're facing are going to, even a Louisiana Monroe or a Texas San Antonio are going to have. So this is going to be fascinating. Uh, this The defense has to basically watch, I'd say, probably a lot of game footage and figure out how you're going to stop a team that's going to try to spread you out and the ball can go to three or four different people at any given time. And that's how Army's going to try to win this game. Bryson Daly, the quarterback, 20 of 39 this year. So as you can tell, just based on those numbers, it's a learning process for Army right now as they're trying to implement the shotgun. I think the mob is going to possibly really make that tough for them. I think you're going to get... It's Yes, it's still a rush-heavy offense. Uh, Hayden Reed is the lead running back. He has 153 yards. You got Jacoby Buchanan. He had 57 yards so far this season. If you look at their overall... They have 713 rush yards and 533 passing yards. So they're almost 200 more rushing yards 
They're averaging 237 rushing yards a game to only 177 passing yards. I don't think uh, if they try to rush on Syracuse, that's going to go too well with the way the D-line and the linebackers have been looking. Uh, But they'll try to use that to try to open up the passing game. Uh, Like I said, this is going to be a really unique game. And for that reason, I think in the first half, the game might be a little closer than people want. Just because you can practice and practice and practice playing against this, but only one team runs it this way, and it's Army. And, you know, there's no scout team that's going to be able to perfectly match what they're doing. Yeah, we don't need to... We don't need to be putting any bodies at risk. Just play a clean game. Keep Schrader, you know, hopefully in the pocket. Hopefully hitting some open receivers. Um, I mean, Army's no slouch. They're in bowl games regularly. And they've beaten Um, some good teams. Which is something that we can't always say about our program. So, I mean, we certainly can't sleep on this. I mean, they play a weekly schedule. But, yeah. Yeah, right, right. But... But still, uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking for us to stay healthy um, and, you know, uh, figure out how to keep the clock moving and, and get out of keep there. Keep their offense off the field, right? Give I think LaQuinn Allen is going to get a lot of work. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, there's obviously going to be a mismatch in size on the offensive line um that we can take uh all the way to the bank hopefully um hopefully running the ball is going to be you know easier than than we're used to um so you know potentially we could get a couple of backs involved um and and just uh hopefully roll over these guys and 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 move on to, to clemson with a with a healthy roster yeah and and i'll say this uh a month ago when we were doing the preseason show, Joe, what did I say was my number one worry about this game? Yeah, injuries to the lines. Yeah, because uh, the academies tend to block low based on their size. Navy, and Air Force, Army, they muscle all Muscle memory, too. It's just mm-hmm. you're not used to it. You're not used to such an agile defensive line you know, blocking against. It's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So that's big for me is is if we can get out of this without injury to either line, I'm going to be really, really happy um, because that's just what happens sometimes when you play the academies. Uh, so let's do our score predictions here. Uh, I'm going to let Kevin go first because he's wearing a Naval Academy shirt. Uh, he, uh, he he dressed appropriately for the pre-Army show. Go oh, Navy. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> go Navy, beat Army. Uh, how about 33 to... Let's say 16. All right. Joe. Syracuse. Syracuse. Syracuse, right. 45-24. Q's wins. I think uh, the offense will get going. I think it's key here for the offense to get out front. I think if you can get enough of a lead on Army, there's just not much they're going to be able to do to come back. Uh, so I think it's really important for the arm, uh, for Syracuse to get out fast in the beginning. And I'm not really worried about the offense uh, getting out there. I mean, if you look... Uh, they're giving up quite a few yards in a game, Army, so I'm not necessarily worried about that. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm a little more concerned about just the defense figuring out that scheme, and I, I think it's going to take a quarter to a quarter and a half for them to really get used to what they're doing. But And because of that, Army's going to get some points, but I think Syracuse still uh, 
gets the four now. Are we are we keeping tabs on who gets the closest on no. score every week? <laughs> no. We're, we're but, gonna... but I think Joe and I were both pretty close. And well, so I, I guessed, uh, and I don't know if you guys read it off during the podcast or we not. We did. Because uh, I, only, I only listened to about half of it. But uh, I guessed 30 to 22, and I think it ended up being 35 to 20. So I was pretty damn close. Yeah, all of us were kind of in the same spot. I think Joe and I both had like 35 or 36. Uh, or ah, okay. something like that or 30 set something in that but all of us were pretty close and and yeah it'll be interesting this week we actually have a little bit of difference i got a slightly higher score uh let's take a look at scores of syracuse's opponents uh, what a wild week in college football by the way just insane week so colgate lost their third game of the season 20 to 6 to U Penn. They only managed two field goals. Colgate's 0-3. Western Michigan headed to 25th-ranked Iowa, where they got thumped 41-10. They are 1-2. As I mentioned, Army beat UTSA 37-29 in a dome against a team that's blue and orange. Clemson beats Florida Atlantic 48-14. They've got the big game this week in the ACC. They host Florida State. That'll be the game we really learn who Clemson is. 20th-ranked North Carolina, they beat Minnesota handily, 31-13. Guys, Drake May, 414 yards in the air. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. But, boy, that is going to be a challenging game. I just They're going to have to put a lot of pressure on him. He is looking really, really good. Third-ranked Florida State. This was the shocker of the week in the ACC. Had to survive, squeak out a win against Boston College. 31-29. Uh, Eagles dropped to 1-2. and two. BC had it. F- BC had the chance to win that game. Arguably, they should have won that game. But, uh, yeah, just kind of, yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech gets absolutely drilled at Rutgers. 35-16. Uh, not uh, that offense, not looking great. Their quarterback was also the leading rusher. So, not usually a good sign. Pitt looked not good at West Virginia. The backyard brawl, a 17-6 to loss. Phil Jerkovich, that quarterback, 8 of 20 for only 81 yards and three interceptions. Uh, both teams only had 211 yards. So I guess Pitt's defense looks okay, but their offense, woof. Something's got to change there. Georgia Tech, uh, they lose 48-23 at Ole Miss. They gave up 550 yards in a game in which they had 474. Uh, so. Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Georgia Tech all sitting at 1-2 and two now. Wake Forest improves to 3-0, but not in a pretty way. They beat Old Dominion 27-24 on the road, but they trailed 17 to nothing at the half. So a weird game for Wake Forest as well. Weird year in the ACC. Some oddly close games. Teams not always playing great. Uh, very, very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. And, and can I just say in general, if you notice, just this weekend in college football was weird. You had Missouri win on a field goal, a 61-yard field goal as time expired, being beating 15th-ranked K-State. Georgia uh, trailed um, uh, 14-3 to at the half in a game that they ended up winning 24-14. But, uh, you know, Alabama was tied at three at halftime with South Florida before winning 17-3. to Florida upsets Tennessee. Texas was only up by three on Wyoming a week after blowing out Bama. Uh, they ended up winning. 
South Alabama blows out Oklahoma State. BYU beats Arkansas on the road. The Colorado-Colorado State double overtime. Fresno State shutting out Arizona State. Just a weird weekend. Ohio beat Iowa State 10-7. to Just a weird, weird weekend. Just some, some wild scores. Uh, by the way, here's an interesting one. Former Syracuse quarterback Justin Lamson played for Stanford on Saturday. Went 7 of 17 for 138 yards and an interception in a 30 to 23 loss to Sacramento State out of the FCS. Not a good day. See you next year, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, very interesting week in college football. But, and now a thought from Brett. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. The Aronde Gatson injury made me think of one of the other debates that's happening in football right now, and that's on the playing service. Now, I did a little bit of research, and the, the Liz Frank injury that Gatson suffered uh, against Colgate doesn't seem to have a direct correlation to playing surface. There was a study that was published on the National Library of Medicine that looked over 10 seasons, over almost 1,600 games, and the Liz Frank injuries were actually greater on on grass than turf. But even though it may not apply specifically to Gatson's injury, I'm interested in whether or not the turf in the dome might be an issue. As you guys probably remember, the new turf was installed back in 2015, and it was field turf, the brand name. And when you check out their website, they kind of brag about you know, how prevalent they are. Particularly, uh, they say that in the NFL, field turf is the trusted choice of, and it lists uh, several different NFL teams, including the New York Giants and New York Jets at MetLife Stadium. Now, MetLife, since it opened, has been notorious for having a terrible, awful, miserable playing surface. And that is the same field turf that is at Syracuse University. I, I will note MetLife updated their turf, at their new core system, at the beginning of this year. Syracuse did not. So they're still basically playing on this stuff. And it's the same stuff that six NFL stadiums have. And according to Field Turf's website, Over 1,500 college installations, including University of Michigan, uh, Maryland, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oregon, Utah, Wisconsin, the same stuff that they all use. So I'm starting to wonder, because the turf situation in the NFL is getting more attention, could the dome hurt recruiting? When players look at, okay, how, how am I going to advance my career? How am I going to make the NFL how am I going to be a successful college athlete? When you consider that, if you're playing on a bad playing surface, which, I mean, I remember marching on that, and granted, that was before field turf. Like, it wasn't good. And, you know, it, it never seems to be good. And now you have NFL players complaining about turf. And, you know, high schoolers and recruits hear that. And, yes, Syracuse actually has a... Uh, natural grass practice field that is available to them and there's no way for Syracuse to have natural grass in the dome it's just impossible but I wonder how much that's going to hurt Syracuse 
when it comes to recruiting. And it seems like we're talking about injuries every year. Um, and it, a lot of times it's lower body injuries. I wonder if the turf has anything to do with that. What do you guys think? And I hope to be back next week. Well, that's all we have for three idiots and a lawyer. If you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, just let us know. We want to know that it is safe. Make sure to follow us on X. X at us. I don't know how you say that. You can't say tweet at you anymore. It, it's not a verb. If you say it as a verb, it sounds dirty. And I, we, we can't. Well, follow us on X. Uh, follow us on Facebook. That still at least has a normal name. You can message us. You can email us at three idiots. Is it, isn't it meta now? Huh? Isn't no, it called it's, meta now? No, that's the bigger company. It's still Facebook. Or it's like Facebook presented by Meta or something. I don't know. I'm not going to do long names like that. Facebook can, is still Facebook. If they want me to call it something different, make it easier. I, I still call the whatever the wherever the Wizards and Caps play. I still call it the Verizon Center, even though that was like 10 years ago. So right. I'm still calling it Twitter. I'm still calling it Facebook. But if Capital One would like to sponsor us, and we would be glad to call it Capital One Arena. <laughs> the, the, the the three idiots and a lawyer presented by capital one <laughs> then we'd have to do those weird commercials like yeah, uh, we could have samuel l jackson, yeah, samuel on the jackson. <laughs> yes <laughs> oh that would be great but uh but yeah so uh yeah make sure to follow us on all those things and uh until next time for joe shell kevin o'keefe i'm matt pfeiffer we'll see you next week Thank you.